So I was, uh, do we want to say the, yeah, okay. So I was, I, w- I was in prayer uh, a couple months ago, and it, it was just a really great morning. I'm talking like it's 5.30 in the morning. It's, it's, it was really cold to me. I don't, you know, I mean, I wouldn't tell Scott Tostin this because he's, you know, Nordic and a Viking, but, you know, Scott shows up everywhere in shorts and a T-shirt and he sweats, you know. But literally, it was like, it was like 36 degrees, and I think the wind chill, with the wind chill, it was definitely in the low 30s and the high 20s. And I had a fire going in the, in the, in the back in our outdoor kitchen, and uh, I spent a lot of time out there, and I started praying, and I started asking the Lord, you know, you know, Lord, who are we? Like, like, who who are we supposed to be? Like, in the eyes of the Lord, how does he perceive us? And then how do we perceive ourselves, right? Because, you know, the way that we perceive ourselves isn't always the way that other people perceive us. And so I, I, I started to to think about that. And, you know, one of the things that came out of COVID that's really discouraging is, you know, being locked in your place and, and kind of having to do everything online. And we're still kind of in those habits because today I did seven hours of Zoom meetings, you know, in my office. I never really got out of my chair. I had like back-to-back-to-back Zoom meetings. I think I took 30 minutes for lunch. And, and one of the things that, that came out of that, hey, can you, next slide, next slide. One of the things that, that came out of that, uh, you know, people are really suffering with their identity. Because we're not, you know, think about this. If, if, if you were born during COVID, and let's say you were born in January of 2020, well, your whole life, you, all you saw were eyes. That's it. Think about that. 80% to 85% of all communication, it's not verbal, it's body language, facial expression, right? And they missed that. So if you were born uh, right before COVID hit, your first two years of your life, you never really saw anybody's face, maybe only inside your own house. That's if you went out in public. And a couple things happened from that. One of the biggest things was identity theft, People are now inside. They're shopping online, right? They're limited what they can do. And, you know, criminals, they just know how to take advantage. I believe a lot of criminals are just very smart, right? And and dumb. But they know how to take advantage of that. And so identity theft went through the roof. And I started thinking, so are we suffering from identity theft? Have have our identities been stolen because we've been locked in, locked out? People haven't been able to get together, you know, and if you, if it got really tenuous for you, you have a friend and they, and they come up to you and they'd say, Hey, why don't you have your mask on? And they call you out. Right. And I I heard that a couple of times, you know, and in the beginning we just all kind of dismissed it. Well, this is going to, this is going to be easy. This is going to pass. I mean, remember they told us mask up for six weeks and then, you know, we'll be good, you know? And then that turned into, 90 days, which turned into a year, which turned into about two years, right? And I think that we started to lose part of our identity. We stopped going to church. We shut down the church, remember? We closed the church. The parking lot was empty. We're doing everything online. Now, we're still praying. We're still doing our Zoom meetings. We're still praying. I mean, we are getting after it. We're not backing down. We're going to adapt, right? We're going to overcome. And we did. And praise God that we did, you know. But, you know, I I just, I miss seeing y'all. It's just so great to see everybody in church. And I know you miss seeing me. Come on. Again, you got to know me, you know, people on TV. But, But as I started thinking about identity theft and I started thinking about, are we suffering from identity theft? And then I started to look up identity theft, like from COVID. So there was a, a massive spike. Next slide, please. Um, here's the facts about identity theft. There's two groups that are targeted heavily, heavily. And these are the main two groups, okay? Ages 30 to 39, okay? And they're targeted because, as it says here, it directly correlates to the fact that this group is the most active on social media, okay? 
And this group is also the most exposed to cyber attacks. In other words, they correlate together. A lot of activity. You know, people are unsuspecting. You know, you don't think people are watching, but they are, right? I mean, you, you, you think you're secure, but you're not. You, you think everything's locked in and you're exposed. Next slide, please. Here's the other group, all right? So the first group was the most at risk. This group is the most money's lost, and this is ages 60 to 69. And we're talking about this group right here lost $86 billion last year. Sorry about that. $86 billion is what I read. And I, and I actually think that was from 2020, which is maybe the latest data that they have because we're you know, new into 2022. But they said this directly correlates to the fact that this age group possesses more wealth, less experience, and knowledge about cyber attacks. Also, here's the kicker, also the most targeted because they tend to be the most trusting. Think about it. you got two groups. you got a group, 30 to 39, very active, very confident, do social media all the time, right? They're attacked because they're more exposed. You have a group, 60 to 69, where not as experienced, kind of wide open, don't really know what scams are going on. Shelly and I, we were watching, I mean, scamming videos. It's just amazing. And let me tell you, I almost fell for one about, uh, probably about, Five months ago, I'm driving in my car. My phone rings. I look at the number. It's a local number. And I pick it up, and I'm like, hello. They're like, hey, uh, is this Al Gregor? Yeah, yes, it's Al. What's going on? Hey, do you still live at 13327? This is Centerpoint Energy. And I was like, oh, okay. I said, what's going on? And they said, well, um, you haven't paid your bill for like 90 days. And you're in collections, and it's past due. And so I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking. I'm like going, hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I did. We were, we were in the Caribbean, and I got a new credit card. And I was thinking, yeah, you know, I said, well, yeah, I, I got a new credit card. I said, well, what can we do? And he said, it's really simple. He said, I need your personal banking information. <laughs> I was just like, every video we watch, they ask for your personal banking information. I said, well, you know, I really don't want to give that out over the phone. He says, well, listen, if you don't give it out, we're, just, we're going to shut it off. And I said, well, look, you know, uh, first of all, I don't know who you are. Well, this is so-and-so with, with Centerpoint Energy. I said, okay. I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. Uh, I'll, when I get home, and I'm on my way home, I will, uh, I'll get on the website, and, and I'll pay my bill electronically. He said, oh, no, no, you can't do that. He said, you can't do that. And I was like, well, why can't I do that? He said, the website's down. Word for word, the website's down. I said, brother, you got bigger problems than me not paying my bill if your website's down. So I go home. That was very convincing. He said, well, I'm going to have to shut you off today. I said, that's fine. I said, you know, what's the disconnect fee? And whatever he said, I said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll pay that. Don't worry about it. In other words, I'm willing to pay the disconnect fee to not have the risk and the exposure of giving my personal banking information over the phone to somebody. I'm not sure who they are. But I'm starting to think when he tells me the website's down, hmm, that's uh, yeah, pastor, right? That's uh, that's a little fishy. So I get home and I go up, I, you know, I I get online and and uh, and the website's up and I look and you know I'm prepared for the worst, you know, a disconnect fee, whatever it may be, you know, twenty nine dollars, forty nine, I don't know, hundred bucks, I have no idea, you know. Um, but I go in there and it says uh, current. Paid in full. And I'm thinking, wow, I almost fell for that. I'm not in either one of those age groups. Not, not yet. I've been through one of them. I'm fastly approaching the other one, right? But my point is, you can watch the videos. You can still get fooled because you're unsuspecting. You, you don't even really know how unprotected you are. And you're vulnerable, right? Next slide, please. Well, I need the glasses. Wow. Uh, being, being targeted by thieves. Look, attacking, it, it, it's nothing new, okay? This has been going on for thousands of years. We can go back to Genesis, Genesis 2 in the Word of God where Adam and Eve. And Did you get my Eve picture in there? You didn't? Just imagine Eve holding an apple. She's 
It, it was just a really great picture. I can't believe you didn't get that in there for me. Uh, so close your eyes and imagine Eve's holding an apple and there's a snake behind her and he's whispering to her. Did the Lord really say? Did he really say you can't eat from these trees? Manipulating. Lying. Testing. Are you vulnerable? And if you're like me and you're driving and you just got a new credit card because you lost your other one and, and you're driving, hey, you may fall for it. And that's exactly what happened. The vulnerabilities sometimes, as prepared as we think we are, I mean, they're in paradise. Paradise. I'm not saying when I was driving in my SUV, I wasn't in paradise. I probably had the radio on, you know. But they're in paradise. There probably weren't that many distractions except for this one distraction, this one test. This one lie. Notice I don't have Adam in there. I know the guys would get a kick out of that, right? You know, where's Adam? You know, supposed to be there. This picture really caught my, my eye because when you look at it, she's only focused on the serpent, the distraction, the words. Did God really? And it's very easy to not only be distracted, but to stay distracted, right? Because when somebody gets your attention... You know, and then you start thinking about it. Well, did God really say that? You start getting tested. That, that's what identity theft is all about. Testing you, testing your knowledge. Do you know about this scam? Look, it just didn't happen to Eve, right? It happened to Jesus. He'd been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and he goes up on the mountain in the wilderness, and the Word says in uh, Matthew, I think it's uh, 4, 1 through 11, it's, the Word says, God, the Spirit, called him into the wilderness. He'd been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, I don't know what kind of fast that was. There's different kinds of fasts. Anything okay? Give us just a second. But even Jesus was tested. My apologies. Even Jesus was tested. The difference is, you would think after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights that he would be extremely vulnerable in an inability to focus. Here's the difference. Jesus is the Word of God. And when the serpent pulled the same tactic, did God really say? He knew. He is God. He is the Word. So he could probe around and, and tempt him multiple times. Well, gosh, if you want to eat, I mean, man can't live by bread alone. That's what the Lord said. Well, you know, all you have to do is throw yourself, if you are the son of man, all you have to do is throw yourself. Angels will catch you. Not supposed to test God. Right? But rest assured, we are being tested. Our identities are at risk. Now, I'm talking about making some coalitions here between identity theft and our spirit man. Theresa, can you go to the next slide, please? No, next one, please. I'm way in front of you. <laughs> One more. One more. So one of the things when I was looking up different ways that identity theft is combated... They talk about strengths. And they talk about 
you really don't know you're exposed until you start to do some reflection. In IT, we do audits, right? You do an audit and you go out and you test. You know, there's a thing called a SOX audit. You'll go out and you'll test the different endpoints, which is usually where you're most exposed, like a, a point of sale or, a, you know, a, um, an IoT device, you know, an Internet of Things device that's collecting data on the edge. It's usually the least protected. But they were saying in this article that in order to strengthen yourself, the first thing you have to do is come to the realization that you may have some weaknesses. And when you come to the realization that you have weaknesses, then as soon as you realize that you start to address your weaknesses, they automatically start to become your strengths. Think about that. So when you go in there and you're self-reflecting as a person, as a spiritual being, and you say, hey, you know, I probably don't need to be looking at that. I probably don't need to be saying those things. I probably don't need to be reading those things. I probably don't need to be exposing myself to those things, right? When you start to realize that those things exist automatically, if you choose to, they'll start to become your strengths. Because now you're pushing back on that. I'm not going to read that. I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to listen to that stuff at the water cooler anymore. As a matter of fact, the people over there are getting coffee right now. I already know what they're gossiping about. They do that every morning. And I'm not picking on people that drink coffee. I'm just using an example, you know. But, but my point is, there has to be a realization that there's a weakness. Question. If you know you're being targeted, can we protect ourselves? Can understanding our weaknesses help us understand how to strengthen ourselves? Next slide. One of the things that I was reading about, I started looking up the word strength, strengthen. And I was doing some research on it. It's very interesting. So strength are also directly correlated to satisfaction and well-being. For example... Research has shown that strengths such as gratitude, hope, love are most likely to contribute to a a life of satisfaction. That's why it's so important to focus on our strengths. And people will tell you and they may say, well, what does that have to do with anything? The number one thing. The number one thing that people put on their list or things that have to be accomplished in their lives to feel safe is to be safe and protected. Think about it. The number one thing, it's not money, it's not food, it's not water, it's not companionship. The number one thing, if you feel unsafe, if you feel exposed, if you're constantly exposed looking over your shoulder, As an example, and you feel weak, and you know you're exposed. As an example, the other things simply don't matter as much. I think think that's why the Lord tells us in Scriptures that, that that a good house is built on a firm foundation, right? Because you know it's going to be there day in and day out. It's not going to shift up underneath you. Amen? And But when I saw this... And this is a definition out of one of the dictionaries. And what blew me away was that strengths such as gratitude, hope. And when I read love, every time I see the word love, I think of God. Every single time, I cannot help it. It's just something that's interchangeable in my mind. I, you know, I just think about all the times when uh, God has just really loved on me. Loved on my family. You know, you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, there's no way we're getting out of this one. We're in real trouble. Ain't going to happen. There's no way I can figure my way out of this. I'm so exposed. I've made poor decision after poor decision. You get down on your face. You make the 911 call. Lord, come get me. You know? And it never happens the way that I think it should happen, honestly. It just doesn't. 
you know. A lot of times, you know, God can just undo things, and God knows our hearts, and he knows exactly what we need when we need it. Amen? And we're going through something, and because we're exposed, we're a lot more sensitive. And then when we get exposed and God starts to speak to us, we immediately get strengthened by his love, which I'm going to tell you, that's why it's so important to get into the word, to be strong, to stay strengthened, to stay on top, in front, you know? I mean, I was told growing up, the view's always better in the front. And I joke about this, but it's very important for me to be at the front. My wife, Shelly, wants to sit in the back. I'm like, no, let's go sit up front. Well, probably because I don't see as well as I used to, you know. But when I read this, and they said, that's why it's so important to focus on our strengths. Did you ever think that love would be a strength? Your ability to love? Think about it. Wouldn't you think that when you're love, uh, when you're loving, you're putting yourself out there, that you're exposed? Think about it, please. I mean, when I started thinking about this, in order to love, uh, I love my wife, and I, I tell people all the time, Shelby and I, we've been married for greater than 30 years. We've been together since November, well, Thanksgiving, 1989. And I was doing marriage counseling with a couple uh, that's going to get married uh, in June. And I said, my definition of love has 100% changed. I met Shelly when I was, what was I, 23? Baby, I'm old. Wow. And they were like, what do you mean, Pastor Al, your definition has changed? I said, well, you know, when you're younger, it's, it's more about chemistry and and." How people look and where you go and what you drive and, you know, where you live and, you know, what restaurants you eat out. You know, it's just because that's, you know, well, at least that was, was for me, you know. And they were like, well, yeah, sure, but what do you mean? I said, well, it's just a lot different. Now when I think about my wife, Shelly, and I think about loving her, I think about loving everything about her. Everything. The snoring. Coffee's too strong. Doesn't put enough salt on my food. It's amazing what you can get used to. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Shelly's awesome. But I told him, I said, my definition of love is radically different than what it was when I met Shelly. Because I, I, I think I fell in love with Shelly way faster than she fell in love with me. And I always say, I knew we were going to make it because we had so much in common. She loved me and I loved me. How are you going to beat that combination? That is the truth, honey. That is the truth. Look, I make a joke of it, but in order order for me to completely love Shelly, I have to put myself out there. And that's why when I read this, I thought it was so interesting that love was considered one of the main building blocks of of feeling strong and, and strengthened. And then I started thinking about it. So what would my life be like? without my my wife and my family, my parents, you guys. I mean, this is our family, right? I mean, I see my church family as often as I can. And I missed when we were locked out in COVID. And as great as it was getting on Zooms and seeing all your foreheads, you know, it's just funny what people, like, they don't, like, calibrate for a Zoom, you know, like, too close, too far away, too close to the mic, you know. Too far away from the mic, can't hear him at all. But you know what? We adapted and we, over, we, we, we overcame that, right? Because through practice and repetition, you become better at things. If you choose to, you become better at things, right? So what does all this have to do about God? Next slide, please. So what about our spiritual lives? God's Word is the truth. His Word tells us that we are loved, valuable, He gave us his only son for you and that your purpose is to follow him in love. So if we were to substitute and put our names in there and wherever it says love, put God, and we personalize that, right, then it starts to mean something to us. But, you know, when we're talking about our spiritual lives, 
It is the ultimate theft. It is the ultimate breach. It can set you back for what I'm going to call a lifetime. As an example, you know, the Ten Commandments are in place to not only protect us, but protect us from other people. And think about this. If the Ten Commandments were kept by everyone, would we need prisons? Would we need courts? Would we need judges? Think about it. Think about how different life would be if the Ten Commandments, would you have to hire a private investigator because you think something might be going on when you leave the work for a week? I'm not accusing you, honey. I'm just having fun, guys. Come on. But, but think about that for a second. Think how different life would be for us if we could just do the one simple thing that the Lord instructed us to do when Moses went up on the mountain and he cut the Ten Commandments with his own finger and he came down and he said, these are my Ten Commandments. Obey these. Honor me. And regardless of what we think we're doing, you know, the litmus test always is the law's perfect and we're not. Because Jesus said, if you even think about something, think about breaking one of the Ten Commandments. It's already started. In other words, it's already going. Must be born, Bill. He's uh, yawning. So I started to think about this. Next slide, please. The enemy's distracting us from our purpose to follow him. God in love. And I truly do believe this. Our world is filled with distractions. And I don't care if it's uh, politics, music, architecture. I mean, I can think of just different things, right, that, that can distract you. It says, don't be distracted by the tactics of the enemy, but instead focus on your God on your godly purpose. And I started thinking, okay, so in a cyber attack, you have vulnerabilities. You really don't know about them until you go out and you either test it yourself or somebody tests it for you. But one way or the other, you're going to find out that there's a deficit. You think you're strong, but you're not. I had a conversation yesterday. For you don't know, I'm in IT, right? I do been in IT my whole career, pretty much. And uh, they said it's a different conversation when I sit down with the CISO, the chief security officer, because he implements all the technology, the tools. He knows exactly what he's purchased, what's been deployed, his professional services contract, when his SOX audit's coming up. He's getting ready for it. That's not the guy you call on. That guy's ready. He knows the money that he spent. He knows where he's fortified. They call it being hardened. He knows he's got a hardened environment. But you go to the CIO, the chief information officer, the person in charge of all the information, and you talk to them about a cyber attack, about somebody coming in and infecting them with a worm or a virus or wanting you to pay a ransom, the CIO has a totally different attitude because they're there, their sole purpose as a chief information officer, is to protect the information. They're constantly asking, are those endpoints hardened? Which is just a really fancy way of saying, hey, when you go to the gas station and you put your card in, your credit card or your debit card, are they skimming the card numbers and selling them? Happened to me. We were at the Tostons. We were coming out of Austin. I'm in IT. And we're in Maynard, just literally 30 minutes outside of Austin. I got a V8, man. It sucks gas. I mean, you just got to you gotta put gas in it. You can't wait, you know, till it goes all the way down. And I go to get gas. It's a major gas station. I put my card in, and I go back in. It's hot. And I, and I, and I sit down, and I look at Scott, and I'm like, Scott, that's the weirdest skim device I've ever seen. I think it was held on by Velcro. And he goes, <laughs> the only way Scott can do it, 
well, that's kind of stupid you did that. You know, I mean, that's, you know, Scott's very matter of fact, you know. So I'm looking at it, and I'm pointing to the guy in the gas station behind the register. And, you know, they have a glass and a sliding door. And I tell him, slide the door open. I said, is that good? He's like, yeah. He tells me, we have to replace the skimmers. They went out. Ten minutes later, my phone starts ringing. It's where we bank. And they're like, did you just buy $9,600 worth of jerseys in Tampa and send them to Germany? And I'm like, no. Oh, hold on. Here's another one. Oh, hold on. Here's another one. So the very guy that I was asking, am I protected, is the guy that was doing the skimming. You can't make this up. He was the guy capturing the numbers and selling them. So when he said, oh, yeah, you're good, good for him, not for me. But that's, that's what I'm talking about in points of vulnerability, right? You're at ease. You're at, a, you're at a gas station. You're getting gas. I mean, how many times do we get gas, in, you know, some of us, you know, in a week, in a month, in a year? Of all places that you would think would be secure, is that little thing you slide your card into that reads it, right? You wouldn't think that you're just exposed yourself. And you wouldn't think in a matter of minutes, so they start looking at the charges. The first charge was 99 cents. That's always a problem. The next charge was $5. Like literally a minute apart. The next charge after that was 100, then 500, then 5,000, then 9,600. And at some point in time, they hit the limit on the card. The card's out. It's maxed. So I'm sure they just discard the number and go to the next card, right? I mean, that's, but can you imagine, can you imagine if the Ten Commandments were actually in place, which they are, but they were being observed? Thou shalt not steal. Come on. It's there for us, for all of us. Each and every person in here, I'm going to tell you right now, would benefit greatly if we could get our fellow beings to adhere to the Word of God. And as I started to think about this, how are we doing on time? Oh, we're good. Okay. My other thing is I never met a mic I didn't like. I'll go on. Stop me by 10, Pastor Larry. Okay, thank you. I'm sure you will. But I started thinking about it. Is the enemy distracting us from our purpose to follow God in his love? And I said, don't be distracted by the tactics of the enemy, but instead focus on your godly purpose. And I started thinking, do, do we really know what our purpose is? Honestly, think about it. Your personal life. Your business life, your marriage, your kingdom purpose. Have you ever thought about it? What your purpose is? Have you ever sat down and said, I'm going to write down, I'm going to make a commitment to the Lord today, right now. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to get on my face like Pastor Roy. I'm going to get on my face and I'm going to seek the Lord. And I'm not going to get up and I'm not going to move until the Lord speaks to me and tells me what he's called me to do and what my purpose is for the kingdom of God. Because it's got to be greater than me and my hair. It has to be. It has to be greater than ourselves. And purpose is an interesting thing. Your thoughts may change. Your attitude may change. But your purpose shouldn't change. You may serve the church differently today. Let me put it like this. 17 years ago when I came to serve in the church here, my purpose was to honor God. My responsibilities may have changed, and they have, over the last 16, 17 years. I was called to be a pastor when I was 39, 20 years ago, right? I mean, you know, the environment's changed. We're in a different building. Think about it. 
We have different leaders. Bill, you're probably the main one on the board, you know. You and, I don't know if Ennis is here, but, hey, Ennis, how are you? Ennis is behind the camera. Board members have probably changed, come and gone. The building has changed. It's come and gone. We've expanded. We outgrew the other building. We have a great facility on 10 acres, ready to go to our next phase of building. This is going to change too, right? But our purpose for discerning the Word of God and teaching the Word of God and living by the Word of God has not changed. It was instilled in us by Pastor Goodluck. That mantle has been passed it, I mean passed to Pastor Angela. And transitions can be tough, they can be hard. I don't think they're ever easy unless we're just benefiting from the transition. But ask yourself, has our purpose changed? Has your purpose changed? Do you even have a purpose? Have you even acknowledged, have I even acknowledged that I'm going to serve the Lord this way and I'm going to do these things for the kingdom of God? And no matter what, day in and day out, I'm going to make up my mind to be great, not for me, but for the kingdom of God. And I tell people this all the time in business. You want to be great? Oh, yeah, I want to be great. Okay. That's good. Recognition. But in order to be great, you got to learn to love the things that you hate. Coach taught me this years ago. I'm going to say it one more time. In order to be great, everybody says they want to be great. Most people I know. But in order to be great, you got to learn to love the things that you absolutely hate to do. You hate to get up early in the morning. You hate to drive. You hate to work. You hate to overeat. I'm having some fun with this. But in order to be great, you've got to overcome those things that you absolutely do not want to do, that you may even despise. But if your love is great enough for the kingdom of God, you'll get up early, you'll drive, you'll come down, you'll get on every Zoom, you'll sacrifice, because you will never truly love without sacrifice. Because in order to love, you have to give up yourself, and you have to focus on God or the other person or your family or whatever that is. You have to do those things. As a matter of fact, I would challenge you. Somebody told me one time, I can tell you what you're worshiping. You ready for this one? Get out your checkbook. Get out your credit cards. See where you spend your money. That's what you're worshiping. And I was like, Wow. Follow the money. That's what has the power. Have you ever done like a little audit where you balance your checkbook and you sit down and you go, wow, we're spending way too much money on entertainment and clothes and the kids. And and look, I, I don't want this to come across as being uh, a message of condemnation. It is not. I'm just saying, if your purpose truly is the Lord and you're going to focus on the Lord, then check your checkbook and see what's going to the Lord. And let me tell you, Scott Tostin taught me this. Uh, I say taught, taught me this. He said this the other day. We were working. We were in here. And he said, you know, Big Al, he said, uh, a lot of people don't understand. They think giving a tithe is just giving of money, writing a check, swiping your credit card. He said it is. But it's also giving of your time, your effort, your dedication. He said, see, <laughs> it was just a really interesting conversation. And I wasn't really looking to get into a deep conversation with Scott because it was pretty early in the morning at the men's breakfast. But he said, you see, some, you know, some people give up their money. Some people give up their time. And I'm paraphrasing. He said, some people give both. And I thought, 
Wow. So if you really want to see what you're worshiping, then you've got to open up your calendar and you've got to see not only how you spend your money, your bank account, but how do you spend your time. Because I'm telling you right now, in order to be great, you're going to have to sacrifice. In order to be great for the kingdom of God, which is the ultimate, the ultimate. Wouldn't it be bad if you got to heaven and nobody else was there? Let me put it to you like this. If you get to heaven and nobody else is there, you're probably in the wrong place. Do you hear what I said? You're probably not in heaven. So when we think about our purpose, our purpose should be that we all go to heaven together. Our purpose should be that we care enough and love our fellow man enough that we'll sacrifice no matter what that means in order in order to pray people in here. Randy, we prayed you back in here, brother. I guarantee you that. Amen? We stood right here. We held hands. And I'm going to get emotional because you've always been my friend. Always, from the moment I met you. And it broke my heart when you went away. Amen. But the Lord spoke to me that night. And he said, I'm bringing my people back. Get ready. Who was here? Who was in that prayer meeting? I know there were, there were people here. We were circled up right here. The Lord said, get ready. I'm bringing my people back. And we started praying And not only did we pray, we started seeking God on what get ready means. And we started investing, reinvesting the things that you need to do in order to be ready, right? Because there's one thing for you to, to hear God say, get ready. It's another thing for you to be ready. Amen? And so I want to ask you tonight, are you ready? If you don't have a purpose, if you don't know what your purpose is, or you think you might know what your purpose is. Go home tonight. And before you go to bed, pray about it. And say, Lord, I really want to know what my calling is, my purpose. What's my, what, Lord, how do you want me to love you? One more time. Lord, how do you want me to love you. What are the things that I need to be doing? We are all created in God's image. Look, I'm not saying you can't have a great time doing this. I have a great time being a pastor. You know, Pastor Goodluck, you know, he used to call me the crazy pastor, you know. But let me just tell you one thing. I know Pastor Goodluck knew this. When he needed something, when he called me, it was all business. I may have a smile on my face. But it was all business because it was God's business. It was pastor's business. It was my business. And I knew what his purpose was. His purpose was to deliver the word of God in its purest form and pierce our hearts that we would walk out of this building. We would never be the same. Never. We would never want to go back. Ever. As a matter of fact, It's really difficult, the transition that we've just gone through. It's challenging. It hurts. But let me tell you, I believe we're better for it. And I'll tell you why. Because we're honoring the Lord. We're honoring our Father in heaven. We're honoring God. And I don't even begin to tell you and understand everything that God's doing and why it has to be done that way. But let me just say, that's not my place. When I prayed about this, the Lord has told me, I am your God. Don't judge people. Al, that's my job. Don't do my job. You know, we have a saying. If you do my job, Bill, if you do my job, they don't need me. Amen? We need God. And so the Lord was very clear with me. He took me to Matthew, and I read it. And, you know, it's just one of those things where 
when you hear the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's speaking directly to you, through you, however you want to say it, and the Holy Spirit's moving, and you can't even move because you're just, you're locked in. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I want us to have a great church. I want people to come here, and when they leave, they can't wait to come back. I want people to be so convicted with the word that when they get filled, they overflow, and it spills onto somebody else, and they overflow, and it spills onto somebody else. Because that's what love does. Love fills and love consumes. Unfortunately, so does hatred. You want to overcome bitterness? Start your phrase with, hey, I'm sorry. I do love you. I am sorry. The Bible doesn't say don't get angry. It says don't let the sun go down on your anger because you'll give the enemy a foothold, a stronghold. That's what the Word of God says. God, I always say this, God has blessed us with emotions to help protect us, to guide us, to motivate us. 1 Corinthians 14.40 says, everything is to be done with decency and order. Everything. The Lord reminds me of that all the time. That's why I go check the bathrooms. That's why I check, pick up the paper. It's, it's not really anything that, that, that I care to do, but I do it because the Lord puts it on my heart. You'll see me in there picking up grass. Cleaning up, straightening up. Look, I don't mind doing it. I'll serve the Lord any way I can. The reality is there's only one microphone. The reality is you have to have a support group. The reality is we're either all in it together or we've missed the whole point of being together to serve God. So tonight I only have one ask of you. I have two asks. I'm not asking you to bow your head in a little bit. I want you to ask yourself, do I have a purpose for the kingdom of God? And if I have a purpose, do I have a plan? Have I thought it through? It's one thing to have an idea. It's another thing to deliver, to execute, to make a difference. And ask yourself one thing. Am I going to do this for my glory? Or am I going to do this for his glory? Am I going to glorify God with my actions, my thoughts, my words? Because let me tell you, when your words don't match your actions, you're a hypocrite. And that turns people off faster than anything. You're saying one thing and doing another. Amen? But when God sees you lined up, with his word, and he sees your actions, and he hears what you're speaking, and he sees the results, the fruits of what the word of God is saying that you have. Because let me just tell you right now, when you come in here on Sunday and you have a clearly defined purpose, I I guarantee you the Lord's going to speak to you. I guarantee you the Lord's going to fulfill the things that he's called you to do because only he can. And you're going to be just like me and you're going to say, well, I'm not equipped to do that. I don't have those things. And the Lord says, great, I do. I have those things. See, the word of God says, God picked us. We didn't pick him. And my last thought. So I was thinking about the gifts in, in, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. Teach, preach. Speak in tongues, interpret tongues, heal. And I started thinking about healing. That's just not physical. That's emotional, that's mental, that's psychological. I mean, how many times have we had something come up where people don't get along or something happens or someone gets offended and there's a break in your own family? It's happened in my family. It's happening right now. It breaks my heart. And all I want to do is heal. Heal me. 
Look, when you say, I apologize, I'm sorry, you're not saying it for the other person. You're forgiving yourself. That's what's broken. Us. Amen? So I want us to be cognizant of the idea We're going to have to work on us. We're going to have to examine ourselves, examine our hearts, examine our souls, and make sure that we're not holding any grudges. Make sure the Bible's very clear. Don't even go. Don't, don't go make an offering and have something against your brother. Don't even do it. You're, you're giving that gift in vain. Forgive. I know it can be hard to forget, but forgive. Maybe we don't want to forget, right? So it doesn't happen again. But when we do those things, I truly believe we can line ourselves up with the Word of God, because that's what it says, and that our purpose will become something that we can start to live for, live out. And look, it's fulfilling to serve the Lord. I'm not going to tell you it's not, but the most fulfilling part of doing uh, work with you, our congregation, is to see the kingdom of God flourish, to see my brother Randy, who I love dearly, Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father God, Lord, I'm so thankful for this evening. I'm so thankful for your word. Lord, I'm so thankful for the the love that you've shown us, the examples that you've given us in your word, Lord. Lord, I call right now things into order, Lord. I ask that you would show each and every one of us. If we don't believe we have a purpose, show us our purpose, Lord. Lord, clearly speak to us. We give the Holy Spirit permission to move concerning these things. Lord, we ask you to line it up with your word of God so there's no people can't claim it's a coincidence or an accident, Lord, that we stand on your word and we can point right to the scripture. So in Jesus' name, I declare favor upon this body of Christ, all those people that are watching, Lord. And, Lord, I declare not only favor, Lord, but I declare that you will supernaturally open up opportunities for us in our jobs, in our homes, with our families, with our friends, Lord, to witness on who you are and the purpose that you blessed us with. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much.